You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. The Big Lebowski, which came out in 1998. It was directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. It stars Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, Julianne Moore, David Huddleston, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Tara Reid, Sam Elliott, Richard Gant, and John Turturro. The genre would be mystery stoner comedy. This movie is just pure joy, and always has been for me since first seeing it in theaters 25 years ago. I remember there being significant hype for this in a lot of cinema circles, and mainly for being the Coen brothers' vaunted follow-up to their Oscar-winning classic from two years prior, Fargo, previous episode Fargo. Well, if you're the Coens, just how do you follow up a seminal classic crime drama like Fargo? The answer was clearly that they went in a very different direction, a much sillier direction. Yeah, 25 years ago when this first came out, there was widespread dismissal of it as an overlong, overproduced stoner comedy. And the thing is, me personally, I have never actually been a fan of stoner comedies. Sorry, just not. But for some reason, this movie has always just owned me from the very opening five minutes. Sam Elliott's pricelessly aimless narration, which just kind of goes nowhere. Because sometimes there's a man, I won't say a hero, because what's a hero? But sometimes there's a man, and I'm talking about the dude here. Sometimes there's a man, well, he's the man for his time and place. He fits right in there. And that's the dude in Los Angeles. And even if he's a lazy man, and the dude was most certainly that, quite possibly the laziest in Los Angeles County, which would place him high in the running for laziest worldwide. But sometimes there's a man. Sometimes there's a man. Ah, lost my train of thought here. The gentle sway of the chorus of tumbling tumbleweeds, and of course, that lasting image of schlubby Jeff Bridges, clad in oversized shorts and robe, writing a check for 69 cents. 69 cents purchasing milk at the checkout of Ralph's. From this point on, either you're on board with this movie or you're definitely not. And me, I was just on board. I even partook in my share of white Russians back in the day, though I did prefer them with creme de mint, if I'm being honest. No, no, don't do that. Not on the rug, man. See? 
See what happens, Lebowski? You see what happens? Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. Your name's Lebowski, Lebowski. Your wife is Bunny. My 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 wife, Bunny? Do you see a wedding ring on my finger? Does this place look like I'm fucking married? The toilet seat's up, man. The fuck is this? Obviously, you're not a golfer. Woo? Yeah. Isn't this guy supposed to be a millionaire? He looks like a fucking loser. Hey, at least I'm housebroken. Bridges' Jeff the Dude Lebowski was just one of several characters among this goofy ensemble whom I would grow to love. And that ensemble includes Donnie, played by the irreplaceable Steve Buscemi, a gifted bowler who's always at least one sentence behind in the conversation. It's all Bitch. goddamn fake, man. It's like Lennon said. You look for the person who will benefit and, uh, uh, you know... Uh, I am the walrus. You know, you'll... Uh, uh, well, you know what I'm trying to say. I am the walrus. That uh, fucking bitch. Oh, yeah. I am the walrus. That's ex Shut the fuck up, Donnie. V.I. Lenin. Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov. the fuck is he talking about? At the time, Buscemi was kind of playing against type here, as most of his other roles all seemed to focus on his character being aggressive. Fargo, of course. Reservoir Dogs. Even the underrated Living in Oblivion, which came out a couple of years prior. Whereas his character Donnie in this movie is just extremely passive often bemused at the conversation between frames at the bowling alley. It's a fun, sweet performance, which nicely complements the others. And speaking of bowling, you can't actually refer to this as a, quote, bowling movie, as the league play is only a small part of the plot. But man, do those bowling montage sequences look gorgeous, thanks to legendary lensing from DP Roger Deakins, who would end up working on many a Coen Brothers movie before and since this one. The overall look of the movie is bright, sumptuous, and itself its own character, Apparently, the Coens loosely based the overall structure of this film on that of an old Raymond Chandler detective mystery. And thanks to stellar work from both Deacons and virtuoso production designer Rick Heinrichs, every new place that the dude visits feels like an entry point into a distinctive new world. Whether it be Jackie Treehorn's gaudy beachfront mansion or Maud Lebowski's utilitarian art studio. And then there's Maud. Julianne Moore delivers this character with such bizarrely clipped vocal cadence that you can mistake her character as one from a different movie, albeit a 1940s version of this movie, so it works. Does the female fall make you uncomfortable, Mr. Lebowski? Uh, is that what this is a picture of? In a sense, yes. My art has been commended as being strongly vaginal, which bothers some men. The word itself makes some men uncomfortable. Vagina. Moore is just having a blast chewing the scenery here especially her comically redundant observations when putting on a porn video featuring suspected kidnappy Bunny Lebowski on for the dude. You must be here to fix the cable. Lord, you can imagine where it goes from here. He fixes the cable? Don't be fatuous, Jeffrey. Julianne Moore is just one of two memorable carryovers from the cast of Boogie Nights, which came out just five months prior. What a time to go to the movies. Wow. As the other one would be the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman playing Brant. The Big Lebowskis, Different Lebowski here, mind you, from the dude. Comically put upon assistant. They're the little Lebowski urban achievers. Inner city children of promise, but without the necessary means for a higher education. So Mr. Lebowski is committed to sending all of them to college. Excuse me. Jeez. Thank you. Thank you. Fire out. I think he's got room for one more. One, uh... Oh. <laughs> you never went to college. Please, that, oh, yeah. don't yeah, touch no, that. I 
Just about every line or gesture out of this character reeks of desperation and a constant desire to stay on message, no matter how absurd the actual message is. PSH was just kind of doing a broader version of Crispin Glover with more nervous laughter here, and he is a stammering joy to watch. Ah, yes, of course, there's Mr. Lebowski, the big Lebowski which the title is referring to. He's portrayed to haughty extremes by David Huddleston, needlessly lecturing the dude on how the anti-war counterculture of the Vietnam era is over and... Your revolution is over, Mr. Lebowski. Condolences. The bomb's lost. My advice to you is to do what your parents did. Get a job, sir. He's apparently a falling titan of industry who just loves to hear himself talk. And within just a few select scenes, we get just the right dosage of this character to leave a memorable impression. Of course, the character who is many fans' favorites, and maybe even mine, is Walter Sobchak, the short-fused war vet bowler deliriously played by John Goodman in what might be his career performance. His endless musings about the ethos of nihilism, his underwear, the proper nomenclature for Americans of Asian descent, proper line rules for bowling, and the grand tradition of Shomer Shabbos are all among this film's highlights. When do we play? Saturday. Saturday? Well, I have to reschedule. Walter, what am I going to tell Lebowski? I told that fuck down at the league office. Who's in charge of scheduling? Walter. Burkhalter. I told that crowd a fucking thousand times I don't roll on Shabbos. Walter. They already posted it. Well, they can fucking unpost it. Who gives a shit? They're going to kill that poor woman, man. What am I going to tell Lebowski? Come on, dude. Uh, eventually, she'll get tired of her little game and, you know, wander on back. Yeah. How come you don't roll on Saturday, Walter? I'm Shomer Shabbos. What's that, Walter? Yeah, and in the meantime, what do I tell Lebowski? Saturday, Donnie, is Shabbos, the Jewish day of rest. That means I don't work. I don't drive a car. I don't fucking ride in a car. I don't handle money. I don't turn on the oven. And I sure as shit don't fucking roll! Sheesh. Shomer Shabbos! Over the 25 years since this film's release, many sharper minds than mine have even attempted to ascribe greater meaning to this story, especially what the dude signifies as an individual. Many even started a religion, referred to as dudism. No joke. Has thousands of members, too, believe it or not. Me, personally, I never saw any greater meaning. Just a deliriously rewatchable ride, which might not be the Coen brothers' definitive masterpiece as filmmakers, but very likely is the most entertaining film among their impressive filmography. Well, that and apparently a reminder that back in the early 90s, every household around L.A. had Kahlua on stock. Who knew? My point is, <clears throat> here we are. It's Shabbos, Shabbos, the Sabbath, which I'm allowed to break only if it's a matter of life or death. Well, you come off it, Walter. You're not even fucking Jewish, man. What the fuck are you talking man, about? Man, you're fucking Polish Catholic. What the fuck are you talking about? I converted when I married Cynthia. Yeah, Come on, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and, know this. Yeah, and five fucking years ago, you were divorced. So what do you say? When you get divorced, you turn in your library card, you get a new license, you stop being Jewish? Yeah, this is the drama. Man. Jewish fucking tabia. Man, you know, it's, it's all a part of your sick Cynthia thing. Man, taking care of her fucking dog, going to her fucking synagogue. You're living in the fucking past. 3,000 years of beautiful tradition from Moses to Sandy Koufax. You're goddamn right I'm living in the fucking past! And now the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Because music is essential to film. For any diehard fan who's been listening to this, I'm sure one question has been on the tip of your tongues at this point. Hey, what about the Jesus? Jesus. You said it, man. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Well, I enjoy John Turturro's two scenes playing the ex-con, 
bowler clad in tight purple who refers to himself as the Jesus. But let's face it, he's basically performing an extended cameo more than a supporting character. However, we do have his introduction to thank for what I consider to be the best needle drop among several others throughout this movie. And this movie does have a banger soundtrack filled with classic rock and country from various decades. My personal favorite still remains the song playing as we are introduced to Jesus in a series of masterfully edited slow-mo close-up shots, his tongue entering one of the holes of his bowling ball, the side-to-side adjustment of his hip. You just had to see it. His bowling glove with the studded cocaine nail enhancement. It's all sublime. And what do we hear over this? It's the 70s rock classic Hotel California from the Eagles. But as someone who has never been a fan of the Eagles, we're actually hearing an even better version of that song. This would be a Spanish-language cover performed by the illustrious flamenco, salsa, rumba, folk collective from the south of France, the Gypsy Kings. And then a hysterical pan to the aghast faces of Jeff, Donnie, and Walter, all looking over in the distance. I just lost it watching this in theaters, and I've lost it watching it every time since then. It's one of the great character introductions matched with the perfect song. The next category is the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Now, going back to Walter, what might be the funniest scene in the entire movie is an early madcap exchange at the bowling alley between Walter, the dude, and Donnie, where we see each of these characters as we would expect to. Walter, indignant, the dude, exasperated, and Donnie, confused. (laughs) They're basically recounting what just happened at Jeff's apartment, the opening scene, the importance of his rug, and what to do next. And merely describing this exchange pretty much describes the rest of the movie to a T. Elliptical. Silly, confusing, pointless, endearing, and brilliant. That's pretty much the Big Lebowski in a nutshell. You, Walter, he peed on my rug. He peed on the dude's rug. Donnie, you're out of your element. Dude, the Chinaman is not the issue here. So who, who? Jeff Lebowski, the other Jeffrey Lebowski, the millionaire. That's fucking interesting, man. That's fucking interesting. Plus, he has the wealth. Obviously, and the resources, uh, so that there's no reason, there's no fucking reason why his wife should go out and no money all over town, and then they come and they pee on your fucking rug. Am I wrong? No. Am I wrong? Yeah, but. Okay then. <clears throat> that rug really tied the room together, did it not? Fucking a. And this guy peed on it. Donnie, please. You know, this is the fucking guy. I could find this fucking Lebowski guy. His name is Lebowski. That's your name, dude. The next category would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Now, it probably goes without saying that this film has had a huge cultural impact since its release, resulting in dozens of memes and or quoted lines of dialogue. You just can't avoid it. 
But in my humble opinion, not every gem has gotten the recognition that it has deserved. So as a result, here is my ranking of the top five most underrated quotable lines from The Big Lebowski. And who knows, maybe they have their fans too. But here goes my top five of those which I think have not gotten their just due. Number five, The Dude, played by Jeff Bridges. What makes a man, Mr. Lebowski? Is it being prepared to do the right thing, whatever the cost? Isn't that what makes a man? Mm, Sure, that and a pair of testicles. Number four, The Cowboy, played by Sam Elliott. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. Number three, Brant, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, This picture was taken when Mrs. Reagan was first lady of the nation. Yes, yes. Not of California. Number two, Walter, played by John Goodman. This guy's going to hurt us, Walter? No, Donnie. These men are cowards. And number one, again, Walter, played by John Goodman. What the hell is this? My dirty undies, dude. Laundry. The whites. I mean, just the satisfied smile on Goodman's face as he says, the whites, it just kills me every time. This brings me to the final category, which would be the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Honestly, on paper, this movie should not have worked nearly as well as it did. This is very much a shaggy dog story with minimal plot and barely a third act. No doubt the cast, especially the main leads, deserve enormous props for bringing such ridiculous characters to life. But at the end of the day, this is an auteur's film from the best brotherly pair of auteurs possibly ever. Almost all of their films have a strong level of absurdity to them, but I think what has always made them so special is just how well these brothers navigate among different tones from movie to movie. From a narrative and character standpoint, The Big Lebowski is as ambitious as anything else the Coen brothers have ever done. This was not a small production, and it shows on screen with both the high wattage cast and no shortage of memorable set pieces, including not one, but two eye-popping, well-choreographed musical dream sequences, no less. The fact that the Coens throw so many different things at the screen, and they play it for laughs, and that they succeed, is kind of a miracle. And for both writing and directing such a miraculous achievement, Joel and Ethan Cohen are your co-MVPs. My rating for The Big Lebowski is five stars out of five. Happy 25th anniversary to one of the ultimate hangout movies, and in my opinion, likely the funniest film of the 1990s. And if you're looking to watch The Big Lebowski, it is available to rent or buy on all major streaming platforms. And that ends another White Russian Review. Special shout out to my lovely wife Marlene Gershon for producing this podcast, and to my lovely daughter Ella Gershon for assisting in the editing. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, white condition, my condition.
what condition my condition was in.